Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want to score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good. Friday, you are tuned in to the Maya Kai Show Unplugged, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. Our sole cause is to help you kick your morning up to the midday, and hopefully with this being Friday, it won't be too tough to do. Nikki, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. We are recovered. We recovered well from St. Patty's Day, so I am ready to get my Friday on. Uh, Happy Friday, everybody. Yes, yes. I, I think the whole St. Patrick's thing, was, it went well. I didn't I didn't overdo it, but that's, that's a good nope. thing. So, yes, how the show is going to unfold by now have an idea how everything goes, but, you know, every now and then we switch our segments up. So with it being Friday, we have our segment we always do with Nikki's Cream of the Crop. That's how we're going to end the show. So how will we start the show? What's trending? Those hot topics and headlines everybody's talking about. We have a local, national, international focus on how we will start the show in that first hour. We'll match up quite a few headlines. Start in Chicago, and then we're going to kind of go out and get a little international in that field as well. And we'll wrap up the first hour with the fine line. Those conversations that walk that line of being a little right and a little wrong. And the one topic we're going to tackle, which has absolutely just ballooned over, is with Adam LaRoche, who is no longer, as stands for now, a White Sox first baseman, decided to walk away from the team because they put their foot down about his son being at every game and in the clubhouse. It's family first, hashtag, according to Adam LaRoche. And it really has polarized a lot of people on perspective on this. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about the fine line about your employer, and your family. And I have some very specific thoughts. So that will round out that first hour. Then we'll jump into the second hour. We're going to do some tech talk, something we haven't done in a while. Okay, I love that. We haven't. There is now officially an app for everything. And just in case you didn't know, there's an app that will prepare you for impact if your aircraft happens to crash. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. (laughs) There's officially now an app for everything. Then that wow. second hour, we'll have celebrity talk aside. I, like I said, we'll wrap it up. And I love what Nikki is doing today with her cream of the crop. A good way to end the show. Matter of fact, with it being Friday, I think it's perfect. So that's how the show is going to, as always, you are invited to join the conversation. Not just listen, but to engage. If you've got comments, feel free to share it. You can always call into the show if you want everyone to hear what you have to say. Just I'll call into 310-875-211. Of course, we're all over social media, so if you'd like to get social with the show, you can always find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Maya Akai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? <laughs> My Facebook page is Nikki Braden. I just laughed because Twitter sent me an email and it says, go to Twitter 101. Like, um, you don't know what you're doing over there. But anyway, if you want to try me on Twitter, I'm Nikki Braden over there on Twitter. The Nikki Braden on Instagram, and the chat room is wide open for your Friday comments. All right, there you go. There's so many ways to get involved in the conversation, and it's always so enjoyable when you do get involved in the conversation. I will say that. All right. Let's go ahead and jump right in the conversation. It went, oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. I was about to break my consistency. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> ever, since we got, ever since we got past the whole Aquarius sign, I just feel like Yeah, you just, like, forget everybody else. 
And actually, this will be the last time we will actually, you know, talk about Pisces because it ends yes. on March 20th. So by the time we get roll around to Monday, um, well, maybe one more time. We'll get well, maybe one more in there, and then we move on to Aries, and Aries are chomping at the bit. So with that being yes, said, they are. Oh, my God, they're driving Pisces. me crazy already. I'm like, wait your turn. <laughs> they can't. They're already all over it. But what's in store for Pisces today? Um, it's not a great day for throwing caution to the wind. There's far too much up in the air right now for you to barrel ahead on a project you're excited about without nailing down all of the details. So you'll have to try to curb your enthusiasm right now and cool your jets. But just because you can't run ahead like you want doesn't mean you can't make progress. Take advantage of this downtime and do some research to create a plan B just in case your plan, plan A doesn't work. And I'm mad because I was just getting ready to do something. So I was like, okay, okay, let me cool down. I was like, crap. I was just getting ready to cool go ahead and do something. Right. Hey, you've been right. warned. You've been warned. I have been warned. So I will take, slow take it down. That. Don't take that worth a grain of salt. Maybe you should, like, heed that advice. All right. Any good I will absolutely do that. And also, if you were born today, you have some good Piscean company. Adam Levine from Maroon 5 turns 37 today. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, nice. Queen Latifah turns 46 today. Vanessa Williams is 53. The um, Vanessa Williams, like... The Vanessa Williams, exact, Rick Fox, the, okay. Vanessa Williams, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Dane Cook is 44. Okay. And okay. Mike Rowe, the um, Dirty guy. two-time... Dirty what, I was going to call him two-time. Why did I call him two-time? What does <laughs> okay. he do? That was, dirty that was job. About tools and stuff. Dirty job. Mike right. Rowe. Mike dirty Rowe job. Is very, he's a very vocal person, too. He really is. He is. Okay. You know what? Today, okay, you've got good company. Um, yeah. It's your birthday. All right, all right. Yeah. So Pisces, all right. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about what's trending. And we're going to start with some March Madness because it would only be right that we have to talk about March Madness a bit. Interesting yeah. enough, I don't know if it was strategically planned that the NCAA tournament would start on St. Patrick's Day because I guarantee you every bar around the country yes. made so much money. You already make good money on St. Patrick's Day to begin with. And then you pair mm-hmm. up March Madness on top of that. That had to be yeah. a big, a big boom day for bars around the country because now you got people coming in. So um, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but um, hey, bar bar owners should be thanking the NCAA for yes, that. Yes, that, really that was a big payday yesterday. That was a big payday yesterday. In fact, they were talking to this one bar in Chicago, and they said that they made more in one day than they make all week at their bar. And they said wow. we have a lot of people here on a regular basis. That just tells you. And like he said, they almost tripled their patronage that for yesterday. Wow. So um, big, big day, yeah. Hmm. So March Madness kicked off, and it already started up with upsets. And you gotta, you gotta love it. I mean, you've got some teams advancing, like of course Kansas advanced. That's not shocking. Um, you right. know, and actually today it's big. Today a lot of big games. Maryland is playing today. Um, Iowa is playing today. I think Iowa so playing today. Games. Yeah. Um, you know, you got a lot of good games going on too. So, but the upsets are, for instance, Arizona, which was a six seed, gets knocked out by Wichita State, the eleven seed. Now, what's interesting about that is the fact that you know, realistically, Wichita State is a mid-major school, but they've been in March Madness for the last several seasons. So you you yes. kind of say, well, yeah, they knocked Arizona off, but Wichita State is a really they've had a solid basketball program for like the last couple seasons. So it's an upset, but it isn't an upset. But people thought Arizona would go far, but when that matchup did happen, people were questioning if it might be a bit much for them, and apparently it was. So I guess one mm-hmm. of the first upsets happened to be, you know, Wichita State advancing, and they will play Miami, Florida, and I, I'm curious to see how that works out. 
Um, other yeah. games out there that are interesting, of course, Indiana advances, North Carolina advances. If you happen to be a Notre Dame person, they get action today. And this is interesting because they're, they're a sixth seed and they're matched up against Michigan. So that's a good local game. So you have a lot of Notre Dame people, you know, throughout mm-hmm. Illinois and Indiana. And, of course, you've got tons Correct. of Michigan people. So that game is at 940. That's a perfect year off work. Yes. Perfect time for a game. So that's a, that's a good game to watch. I'll be curious. Wisconsin also plays today against Pittsburgh. They're a second seed, and, and Pittsburgh is a, is, a, is a 10 seed. So um, a lot of interesting games. We'll see how that unfolded. Another game that people actually are talking about, I'm sure uh, Simone Green is probably reveling in this, Purdue. She is. A fifth seed falls to Arkansas Little Rock, 85-83. Mm-hmm. Purdue, once again, yes. a Big Ten team that was really surging, a fifth seed, got knocked out by 12 people, I mean, Arkansas. So that was another one of those games that people weren't, kind of sure where that was going to go. So um, big upstates. I know that uh, Simone is, is having a good time. Also, um, if you happen to be a Big Ten person, Michigan State plays today as well. They're a two seed, which made people very upset. But they got a 15th seed in Middle Tennessee. So I'm kind of expecting they're going to advance past that. Really, yeah, they're going to advance. Been, yeah. They're gonna, and, you know, and you know what? And they're actually in the Midwest region, which is Chicago. So if you happen to be in Michigan, you, you can pop in and, and check out, you know, the matchup here. Another big game, too, Yale defeated Baylor, and that was another upset. So we got a couple upsets that are already starting to happen. If you did brackets, people's brackets are usually busted, honestly, Nikki, by the time they get to the round of 32, seriously. Because it's just you, you think you know who's going to win, and before you know it, it doesn't happen that way. And people keep asking me about Iowa, and I've, I've, I've skirted the conversation for, like, weeks. But I knew they would make it to the tournament because of how they were ranked. And I said, you know what? I may not watch the game today. I keep telling myself I'm not watching the game, though I know. You're going to watch it. Oh, you're (laughs) going to watch it. Because I can't help it. But I don't want to be aggravated on Friday. That's the thing. I don't want to be aggravated. You won't be aggravated. We'll be fine. Okay, look. Look, look, let's let's be honest. Like, I know I'm a diehard Hawkeye. But it's a tale of two teams. If the team that showed up that I saw play the beginning of the season shows up with solid offense and defense, great. If the team shows up the latter half of the season that dropped five or six games, the team they should not have lost to, and they went from being ranked four to being ranked 20, and you only have two players on the floor that can score and jock in Utah, that's not going to win a game. So I don't know which team is going to show up. All I team know A is, is going to show up. Team A is going to show up. I have faith. I'm positive. <laughs> team A is going to show up. They will be in the building, and they're ready to advance to the next bracket. I'm calling I am, it. Um, I, I'm, I'm feeling a little kind of just nervous about it because <laughs> Iowa football really bad place, so emotionally and mentally. So with that being said, I like Fran, though, Fran McCaffrey. I love the coach. So I have faith hey, in how he can turn this around. But they just even look, they even look bad. They, they went out in the first round of a Big Ten tournament against Illinois, Nikki. I'm having a hard time with this. That's why I'm saying That was about one uh, point. It was a close, it was a close call. I mean, it, that okay. can happen to anybody. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they got blew out. When people, you can, they did not. It was one point at the buzzer, <laughs> at the buzzer. Like you can't do anything about that. That's fate almost. You can't blame somebody for well, fate. That was that when was you God. Make it March Madness, but when you make it to March Madness, you get stacked against teams that got way more talent than Illinois. So if Illinois is taking you down to the wire and it's a buzzer beater, that's got you about to exit written all over it. I'm just gonna tell you that because I watch a whole lot of college basketball, so I'm just. I'm not over-investing in this. Um, I do believe there is a wine bottle with my name somewhere on it. <laughs> I will crack it open at 2 p.m. because I don't think I can take it. All right. So March Madness is in folks, and it was only right that we talked a little bit about it because, you know, a lot of people, this is a good time of the year. It's spring. 
and March Madness just gets everybody invested. So uh, yes. I'll definitely be watching that through the weekend. But let's get to what's kind of trending. We're going to start from a Chicago focus. Interesting okay. enough, remember the case that happened late last year where Chicago police allegedly responded to a call and they arrived with a domestic dispute between a father and his son. Right. And and the father had called because the son was really out of control, and the officer came in, and not only did he shoot the individual that the call was made for, a woman came to her door when she heard a disturbance in the hallway, and he turned and shot her too. So right. part of what Officer Robert Welmo had said during interviewing was that the suspect was wheeling a bat is what he mm-hmm. had said. Well, now it turns out that there might be some 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 bearing of what really happened. Um, Quintonio Legreer, who was a 19-year-old that ended up being fatally shot along with his neighbor, maybe he wasn't wielding a bat at all. So now the story, they're not consistent, is what they're saying. There's a shocker. Look, I don't know when police officers feel like, I don't know where this protocol comes from. Like, I'm going to shoot you and then say you had something in your hand and you willing to bat. Like, the same thing with Carl McDonald. He was, you. I mean, I was waiting for the man to have a sword and just, like, running and attacking. I'm like, he had a fingernail file in his hand. What are you doing? You understand what I mean? So this seems to be, like, as long as I say they had something in their hand, he was willing to bat, then that means it's a threat on my life, and that means I'm afraid, and then that means I shoot people. And that's never the case. Well, it's never the case. You know, what was interesting about the whole the, the Greer case was that the officer actually had filed a countersuit about right, yes. that there was emotional trauma and some other stuff. And so now we're finding out that the details that were initially shared in the investigation were not, perhaps, are not true. So this is the plot thickens. I just tell you, I'm like, we're going to talk a bit about Kim Fox down the road. Because though that was a solid victory, Girlfriend has a lot she's about to have to deal with, and I guarantee yeah. she knows what she's walking into, but we'll, we'll get into that. We're going to talk about her in the fine line, because I think there's some things that people are going to have to put into perspective before, you know, we get into that. But it's interesting now that all of a sudden we're hearing that, oh, there might have been some inconsistencies in the story. And Chicago police are on the docket again because it's coming out in the Laquan McDonald case. Um, the police union, so the Fraternal Order of Police, are suing about how the officer was interviewed in the probe with Laquan McDonald. So now that's another case that is being scrutinized. This case was filed, actually the suit was filed on Wednesday, and they're challenging the investigation that the city inspector general office did, which they're always involved in their police shootings. They have come in Mm -hmm. with their investigation of what's going on. And the suit, which like I said, the Fraternal Oral Police is alleging that The union's collective bargaining agreement with the city, which, by the way, needs to be like, when it's up, a major renegotiation of that contract needs to be looked at. But it said the city, by refusing to guarantee Officer Jason Van Dyke or any officer being investigated in the case, they're saying their constitutional rights was pretty much violated. And having them to do the interview was like self-incrimination is what they're saying because they were the focus they were the shooter, and having them to do have them to do an interview, like with kind of an internal investigation, it's like they were having them incriminate themselves. I'm like, how does that make any sense? They were the it shooter. doesn't. How can you be, who else am I going to talk to? I mean, I can talk to all the officers there, but technically, though they may not have been the shooter, they still were involved in the incident that's being questioned. So as long as you were there, you know what? you're part of it. 
Yeah. You know what? A lot of times, this, uh, the, can we start over with police? I'm going to just start over from scratch, like from the first day that we decided to implement them. Just start from there, like start all over. I can't even believe the tactics that police do when they're interrogating people. I mean, some of the extremes and lengths they go to to get, like, people to it, – Admit they did something and get a confession, and now they're going to turn around and be like, the same thing was done on them, and they're like, that's not fair, and I'm going to call a file. I'm like, you do this to people all the time. You know how this well, works. You're a police and officer. The, and the part that makes no sense about this is they're saying that because of the fact of how they're involved in the incident, that they should have been able to invoke their Fifth Amendment rights and not answer any questions by the Inspector General investigators. And I'm like, See, this is where it's a problem because yeah. you're, you're supposed to serve and protect. And honestly, if you do nothing wrong, and trust me, Jason right. Van Dyke knew he did something wrong because he shot him 16 times. So he knew right. he did something wrong. But they're, like, pretty much trying to say that they didn't allow him. Well, they didn't stop him from saying, I'm not going to say anything. He could have said that. Correct. You're accusing the inspector general's office of violating his rights. Well, my question is, you're trying to tell me that he didn't know his rights? This is what I'm, I'm like, you're a police officer, correct. I'm like, you're a police officer, you know how this goes. You interrogate people all the time. You know how this works. Now you're going to call foul? I'm like, see, don't do that. Just admit when you're wrong. See, just own it, admit it, and take your punishment. But stop doing this horse and pony show like we don't know any better. For what? You're just prolonging the inevitable, and it's ridiculous, and it's making you look really ridiculous. So just admit you're wrong, you know, and then go from there. They're trying to find a way to get Officer Van Dyke off the hook. Yes. And, you know, I'll say this. And maybe he had shot Laquan McDonald maybe twice, even three times. Maybe. People would be like, hmm, even though he was unarmed and going the opposite way. But 15 times, there's not. He's not a rhino. Right. They know it's imminent. (laughs) He's going to get criminal charges, and he's going to have to be. And he cannot be in general population because people will be gunning for him. Yeah. Like, literally. So they yeah. know that given the nature of what happened, and the thing is, this is going to probably unravel because only so many officers can attempt to, like, change their story. But what you can't change is why did you discharge 16 rounds? I mean, Correct. Rounds. You, you Correct. can't, you have no answer for that. It doesn't matter what story you can cut. It doesn't matter. So I it doesn't. So I'm just like, just admit it, take your punishment and go from there, but stop it. You're prolonging the inevitable. Stop it. Yeah, you are. And if, if that isn't enough, of other other Chicago organizations and agencies with a back against the wall. So we know that Chicago Public Schools sent out a letter to family on Wednesdays, pretty much kind of encouraging them or kind of putting the seeds in their mind that they might need to make plans for what's going to happen with their kids if they're enrolled in Chicago Public School come April 1st. Because that is right now the proposed day of action where teachers are, I'm putting this in air quotes, expected to participate in a one-day strike. Okay. So, um, so they gave, you know, pretty much they gave parents fair warnings that April 1st we may not have teachers, which means there can't be school, so you may need to come up with a plan of action of what to do with your child if you're someone that's not at home. You know, I, yeah. it's interesting that people are, are scrutinizing the letter saying they feel like Chicago Public Schools is trying to get support from, from parents and create some form of sympathy. Um, saying it's an illegal one-day strike, FYI, if the teachers' okay. union that's headed by President Karen Lewis decides to do this. I I need for somebody to step in and fix this, because who's suffering day in, the children. day out? 
Obviously. The children. Not because yes. I feel like if teachers are this unhappy with what's going on, do they even really show up every day and teach? And when I say show up, I mean, are they there? Right. Are they mentally right. there? Are they emotionally right. invested? Or are they just going through the motions because they have to? Does anybody understand the only people truly suffering in this are the kids? I mean, I'm like, this I has to be figured out. They need to let the kids So what are, I'm trying that. to figure out what the purpose of this is, and I'm trying to figure out how this would automatically make parents side with the – I don't get the sympathy. Why would the teachers get sympathy from parents – for a one-day strike. Why would, look, at this point, why would why would the parents have sympathy for anybody? Parents, right. or, or the you know Chicago public schools. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm sure teachers won't like to hear me say this. This is an epic fail for everybody. It's an epic yeah. fail for everybody, and the, the the ones that suffer are the children, the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is this what it needs is, a complete so. overhaul. They need a complete mm-hmm. overhaul for CPS. Oh, it's I don't think it is together. Chicago is the third largest city in the country. And we can't get anything right. It ranks <laughs> as a 14th power metropolitan area from a global standpoint, and this is how we operate. Yeah. It's really sad and twisted. Yeah. And I, we're, everything is coming apart at the seams. And yes. I'm disappointed with you. I don't know how they fixed any of this because, it, to me, it's just it's gone that far off the reservation. I don't. I don't know how they honestly fix it. I don't. We have don't to start over, it. all over from scratch. You have to start all over. Just erase everything and just start from day one, the beginning. Otherwise, I don't see how you can fix it. It's just too far gone now. It's too far gone. It's too far gone. All right, mm-hmm. we are in the what's trending segment of the show. We talk about hot topics and headlines. Everyone's talking about that may have a local, national, or international focus. We're going to keep mashing up some more headlines. We're going to shift our gears a little bit and kind of expand out of Chicago because things are happening outside of Chicago. One of the stories that's out there interesting, remember the guy who went on a shooting spree in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Well, he's coming up with an interesting um, kind of, I guess, he's plotting a defense, but he's now come up with a $10 million lawsuit against Uber. And he's talking about apparently – I don't know that people don't understand. You don't mess with North Korea if you're just a regular joke because they don't care where you're honey, going. I'm trying to figure out honey, why people honey. go abroad. Honey, honey, honey. Two of the two of the headlines we're gonna match up. We're gonna take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. I
Just some relief from this voice killing me You stare at me and you glare at me All is vain, it's all the same Unplugged, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We are officially to help you kick your morning up to the midday. And if you're not there, the wrap-up of the What's Trending session, these couple of stories will get you there for sure. It'll get you, you there. Yeah. It'll get you there, absolutely, because you're just like, come on, people. Uh, if you want to weigh in your thoughts, comments, you can, 310-807-5211. The chat room's open, and you know where to find us if you'd like to get social with us, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. All right, so if you recall, what has it been roughly about a month ago? There was an unfortunate incident in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where Jason Dalton is being charged with killing of six people and wounding two others as he went on a shooting spree. All Correct. in between why he was driving for Uber, which really has people like, wow, you mentally were just, you had checked out. So, mm-hmm. Jason Dalton, who is in custody, has filed, FYI, a handwritten lawsuit with the U.S. Federal District Court for the Eastern District in Detroit asking for $10 million from Uber, who was his employer, for ruining his life. Now, here's what's you really ruined your interesting. Life. But listen how, if you know how Uber works, you work when you want to work. They don't right. tell you when to work. You turn the app on when you want to work. I, I, here's what I think, Vicky. I, I don't think he means this at all. I think he is trying to set up an insanity-type plea. Because listen to what he says in this two-page complaint that he worked. He said, as an Uber contractor that he worked for them for years, they ripped me off, never paid me back wages or overtime. I busted my butt for them. They gave me no Christmas bonus. I wasn't invited to any corporate parties. They made me work when I was sick, and they didn't let me spend time with my children. Uber treats their drivers like crap. He went on to say that he had to pay for gas. He had to pay for repairs on his vehicle. He was hitting potholes. He was even called out at late nights to work. And if he didn't do it, he was threatened that he would be fired. He said the company is I don't think Uber works like that. 
Um, we know that Uber doesn't work like that because you only work when you want to work. When you work, you turn the right. app on when you want to work. They don't make you. Well, there's no set schedule, and there Correct. is no there is no overtime. Seriously, no. I'm no, like so. No. I'm telling you, I believe that he is trying. Because by the way, this was a handwritten lawsuit, which means he orchestrated this for himself. He facilitated it for himself. I think this is his way of trying to set up some form of insanity because he went on to say, this company is a hostile work environment. I am tired of being treated by, by, which is weird, second-class citizenship by Uber. I think it's being treated as a second-class citizen by Uber. Uber discriminated against my mental health. You know what? I believe that he is just trying to make it seem like, He's not stable. Everybody knows that Uber, you work when you want to work. Where is he coming up with all the delusional things about bonuses and overtime and Christmas parties? Really? And why did he, where did he get to a $10 million figure from? And what do you need, Timmy? You are you kill six people. You don't need $10 million. You are going to jail for the rest of your life. How many honey buns do you think you need to buy with $10 million? You can't spend $10 million. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. I don't know. Here's what's if, funny. But here's, here's what's funny. Uber responded to this. And they were like, we're not even sure how to respond when someone who refuses to take responsibility for his actions feels like our heart goes out to the victim's family. But wait a minute, here's what's interesting. They actually verified that Dalton was approved as a driver near the end of January, and it worked for less than a month. So you miss Christmas. He's trying it. This is a deflection. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you didn't even work Christmas, you idiot. <laughs> You weren't invited to the Christmas party because you you didn't work for us at Christmas, you idiot. I'm telling you, he's trying to come across like I'm delusional. I thought I was here for years. I really think he's trying to paint a picture that he's he's not mentally stable. I'm serious. Because now you hear that, like, you didn't even work there for a month. But, yeah, you want Christmas bonuses and parties. Right. You know, you worked overtime, and you were there less than a month. (laughs) FYI, and you turn your app on when you want to drive. Seriously. (laughs) And he's asking oh, for gosh. how he came up with the ten million. He says I don't the $10 know how. Is for, well, he said it's for punitive damages and emotional distress. Okay, that's what it's for. He said he's All got right. psychological distress because of Uber. Honey, if you get to, if you were to get ten million dollars, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to have to give it over to the six families. Because they emotionally, they're going to civilly sue you, and you're going to give all of that back. Just drop it and go to jail for the rest of your life. Wait a minute. Because here's what's really interesting. He has a, he has a, a, a court-appointed appointed attorney who was like, knew nothing about this lawsuit until reporters started coming to him for information. He's like, what are you talking about? So this is something wow. he totally concocted on his own. I'm telling you. On his own. Wow. It's got, I'm trying I don't to think anybody's going to give any weight to this. They're going to be like, okay, they're going to bottle it up and throw it in the garbage can. I think that's just how seriously they're going to take it. Like, okay, whatever. And bottle it up and just toss it in the trash. Funny. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> you know, and there are times, honestly, I kind of feel bad for Uber because they've they been in situations that they get a bad rap for things that really I mean, are out of their control. People come seriously. for Uber all of the time, and I don't see why Uber's been nothing but great for me. I've never had a horrible Uber experience ever, but people been come Uber for good. Uber. <laughs> they, the, Uber mean, <laughs> they come yeah, for um, Uber. Because you know what? When people don't come up with an idea, they hate it. And it's been an idea mm. that has taken root and has grown. And we're going to talk a bit about some other stuff that Uber's doing 
Um, once again, I'll be curious if it takes off. But look, they've gone from just being like a taxi type service to food delivery, yeah. helping with medical medical needs like appointments. I mean, like they are covering every gamut. I mean, you can't be mad at Uber. If, if somebody, no. if, if people who are mad had the idea this is new technology, the way they're using it, they wouldn't have an issue with it. But it is what it is. So, Correct. Jason Dalton, you don't have a seat because um, I don't Several. know if Michigan. I don't know if they have a death penalty or not. But I think it's unfortunate if you're found guilty, and I don't see why he wouldn't be, whether they feel right. that he's mentally unstable or not. If you get to sit around for life and we got to feed you, I feel bad for the people of Michigan because they got better things they could be doing with their money than having to mm-hmm. take care of you for life in prison. But it is what it is. All right, another story out there. I'm just like, you know what? I now have a very – when these stories pop up about gun violence and kids having guns, I have a very specific thought about if you want to, if you want to do something that's going to have an impact. When I hear about – there's a school in New York and Queens that in one week they had two different students bring guns to school. One was a 15-year-old boy who bought a loaded weapon to school. Um, threat, he threatened another student with it. And within a day of that, an 11-year-old bought his grandfather's loaded gun to school with the intention and threatening another student. So two days, two students, access to weapons. Here's one thing I'd like to see change in gun control laws. If a minor manages to get access to a weapon that is registered, if it's unregistered, there's nothing you can do about it. A registered weapon, I believe the owner of that weapon needs to do jail time. Seriously. I, I mean, un, you don't think unless, un, unless it was unless stolen or something like that, but I, I agree, if you leave it in on top of the refrigerator or something like that, Absolutely. If you're being careless and reckless, absolutely. If somebody breaks in your house and they steal your gun, or if you, you know what I mean, then there's nothing you can do about that. But if you're being reckless yeah, and you're just leaving it in your purse or you're just leaving it on top of the refrigerator, yeah. absolutely. I'm you're being like, careless. Here's the thing about these, these two incidents that happened at this school. I, I thought a parent and a child at this school, I'd be like, okay, maybe we need to look at a new school. Even though you can't run from violence, you really can't. It can happen anywhere. It's you can't, random. Yeah, you can't. It, it's, not, it's not specific to any one group of people or one area. Right. But these are, two, these are two young boys at 11 and 15 who understand the gravity of what a weapon is. And that's why that yeah. bothers me. They know this is wrong. They did this with full sure. intent. Full intent to threaten somebody because they know what a weapon is and the harm that it can do. So not only... Mm-hmm. Do their parents need to be held accountable if these weapons belong to anybody in their family? I don't care if grandpa didn't know. Because, first of all, that's what gun safes are for. You put it in the safe, you lock it. It's done. It's put away. But to make, to make it accessible, it's not okay to be like, don't you touch it. No, that's not how any of this works. Right. Now they need to change the laws that if unless, it, unless it's stolen, and if your gun is stolen, you right. need to go make a police report. You need to file a report. Because to me, failure to do so means you knew your weapon was missing. It doesn't matter who has it or not. But you knew it was missing and didn't report it. So then I think you should still be accountable. Like, well, why didn't you report it? Well, I thought maybe that somebody in my family took it. Don't care. That means somebody in your family has ill intentions. That's why you should have reported it. You know what I mean? So I just, Mm -hmm. they need to change that. They need to start holding people a little bit more responsible. And then maybe people in these kind of incidents, maybe we would see less of this. If someone's like, wait a minute, I might go to jail if someone goes to school with my weapon. But I think if there's no consequence for it, what's going to make you do better? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. So that's, I think we make we make everything change. so easy. That we make everything so 
easy. If it was hard and there were strict laws for guns and there were very strict laws, and it wouldn't make it so easy for them to just be accessible and just lying around like this. What is an 11-year-old doing with a gun? Like, this is ridiculous. This is like you can just go pick one up anywhere. This is ridiculous. You just made an excellent point about how we make things too easy here in the United States. And the problem Mm -hmm. with that is sometimes when Americans go abroad, they tend to forget they're not at home, and everybody is not as lenient with no. poor behavior as they are in this country. And right now, there's a U.S. student who got caught in the act in North Korea and has been sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. <laughs> Listen as shit and reports on this. I hate to say this, Nikki. I don't know that I feel bad for him. Take a listen. So, in a trial reported to have lasted only one hour, North Korean officials present fingerprints. Photos of a political banner allegedly stolen. Surveillance images. They claim this is proof that American student Otto Frederick Warmbier committed crimes against the regime. In court, Warmbier pleads for mercy. My brother and my sister need me. I beg that you see how I am only human. How I have made the worst mistake of my life. It didn't work. Tonight, Warmbier is sentenced to 15 years hard labor. That's according to a North Korean official who spoke with CNN. What are the conditions he'll be facing? Uh, He may be forced to work in agriculture, as it happened with uh, other American prisoners. He may spend his days uh, planting apple trees, for example. Uh, It will be fairly grueling forced labor. It is very likely that he will be interrogated by agents of the state security department. This is the North Korean Gestapo, the uh, internal security agency, if you will. Human rights groups say similar conditions were experienced by American missionary Kenneth Bay, who was held in North Korea for about two years. Tonight, Otto Warmbier's family is not commenting on his sentence. U.S. officials tell CNN they're working to secure his release and are urging Kim Jong-un's regime to pardon the young American. The department believes that the sentence is unduly harsh for the actions Mr. Warmbier allegedly took. Warmbier was on an organized tour when he was detained by the North Koreans on January 2nd. In a bizarre twist, the regime claimed he was encouraged to steal the banner by his church, by a secretive organization at his school, the University of Virginia, and by the CIA. A U.S. official tells CNN that's absurd, says it's propaganda. Kenneth Bay and another American, Matthew Todd Miller, had also been accused of perpetrating hostile acts against Kim's regime. They were given long sentences of hard labor, but released much earlier. Based on uh, previous such instances, I would say that Otto Warmbier would stand a fair chance of being released after about six months since his arrest. But analysts say it's very likely that Kim Jong-un's regime will use Warmbier as leverage and will want a VIP from the U.S. to make a pilgrimage to North Korea to get him. Look, don't mess with North Korea. Don't mess with Kim Kim Jong-un. What's wrong with people? One, let me give you a word of advice. Don't take an organized tour of North Korea. I think it's a bad idea. As an American, you can find yourself in hot water. The reason I have an issue with anybody having to lobby for this, do you notice he didn't deny that he did it? So he did it. He didn't deny right, it. Right, he did it. My thing is, why in God's name would you be in North Korea breaking the law when you know they have a history? Do you think? You can call them the Gestapo if you want. They don't, they don't play like that. What, what, they don't what do you play. Mean? They 
don't play like that. You've never seen anybody in North Korea smile. You think they playing with you? You think Kim Jong is playing with you? <laughs> <laughs> he was old enough to know better. And I'm going to tell you something, and I, I'm real adamant about this. If they decide to give him 15 years, and though I, just, I believe that it's absolutely over the top, but here's the rule of thumb. When in Rome, do as Do Rome as. Other North Koreans are not behaving like this because they know their laws and the punishment for the crime. Even though the punishment may seem extremely absorbent, and it really is, but it's a deterrent for people not to do crazy stuff all the time. The reason we don't have, we're so lawless here is our rules, we don't, we're so arbitrary with them. We don't punish people the way they, they should be punished. So you going to go to North Korea and clown on them like that? Okay, he needs more than like two weeks. They should keep him for like two years. And work his fingers to the bone. Because you know what? You don't get to go to other places and disrespect their rules just because you don't like it. That's such an American attitude. And you're right. Kim, I'm going to tell you what. She's going to make him work hard. They're probably going to beat him a couple times for stuff. They, they're, they're concocting stuff. Like, yes, and the CIA, University of Virginia, they're concocting stuff. Like, like, he was, like he was 007. Seriously. It's totally over the top. It is. But he shouldn't have been over there messing with stuff. And the first, I wouldn't even try to go into North Korea. What are you doing in North Korea? I'm just going to bypass that. I'm not even going there. They don't play around. I'm not going to even take a risk, a chance. No, I'm not even going there. They don't look friendly. They don't look welcoming. They don't look inviting. It looks like no fun. Everybody just stands in straight lines all day. I'm not going to North Korea. In Kim's regime, do you know that he has actually executed two of his, like, key people in his regime? Because he felt either they weren't living up to expectations or they lied about something. Okay, well, he kills his own people. Yeah. How do you yeah. think oh, he yeah. feels about us? So exactly. He's like, he's the like, Americans aren't just going to waltz over here and do what they want because they think they can. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. And I, once no. Again, he didn't say, and he was crying. I'm like, dude, it's just for you. He, he was crying, honey, and I time. hollered. He was like, my brother <laughs> and my sister, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get this shovel and plant this apple tree. That's what you get ready to do. Like, you are American enemy. <laughs> Seriously. The only person that might be able to stand up there and cry, and they might think you'd be okay, is the black person like, yeah, you know, they don't like you over there. Hmm. Right. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But, really, I was like, oh. punishment needs to come because if he broke their law, it is what it is. Yeah. Other people respect their law, and that's why they have more order than we have here. Bottom line, yeah. so I think 15 years is a bit heavy, but. That is a banner. What what, what kind of sign was it? Was it encrusted in gold? What kind of sign were you stealing? (laughs) It looked like it looked like a vinyl banner. Is what it looked like. I was like, wow. (laughs) Fifteen years for a piece of plastic. Good. It was an act against the the regime because it was something government oriented. He probably know what the hell it said. Touching stuff. Leave stuff alone. Leave stuff alone. (laughs) If it ain't yours, don't touch it. Well, okay, he'll know about it now. They're going to do all kinds of stuff to him. I, feel, I kind of feel bad for him, but I don't because he put himself in that situation. They're going to cane him. I'm like, you have no idea. I hope that banner was worth it because they're going to cane you. Yeah, you have no idea what's coming to I'll you, Charlie. Worry. Eventually, when he gets free, he'll write a book. He'll get on a talk. Yes, he will. He'll, he'll, I mean, he'll, he'll get, make he'll a profit. Yeah. You're going to profit from it, but you're going to have, a, you gonna have to tell that story, though. Incarcerated in North Korea. Oh, whatever, dude. Yeah. All you did was plant some trees. Yeah. Quiet. All right. All right. That's so hilarious. That, we mashed up quite a few headlines. Then we went from Chicago all the way to North Korea. So today we got international. All the way to North you know, Korea. On the what's trending. And that last that trip was a uh, hoot, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that last trip was a right? hoot. I can't not stop laughing at that. 
because it's ridiculousness. It really is. It is. All right, we'll take another break and we come back. We're going to walk the line, the fine line that is. We're going to jump into Kim Fox has some major challenges ahead of her. Two stories we talked about earlier, just the tip of the iceberg, what's under the water is bigger. And then we're going to talk about Alan LaRoche, family versus work. Did he cross the line or were the White Sox wrong? We're going to dive into all that after this break. Everybody sit tight. It's the Maya Pazzo. Enjoy featuring meeting Mr. Raven. We'll be right back. Well, the man said we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. And then he said we're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. We're going to start it all. Featuring comedian Nikki Brayton, we are winding down this first hour with the fine line. Those conversations that have a little right, have a little wrong, and you're walking right down the middle. So I want kind of everybody's opinion on who's right and wrong. And actually, Kim Fox, we're going to talk about, isn't so much about right or wrong, but I want to put something in perspective for for people. Whenever people get elected into what are positions like this, where it's controversial, I think sometimes a focus is lost. Tell me what your opinion is on this. 310-807-5211. Chat room is open. And if you'd like to get social with the show, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Maya Kai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? I'm Nikki Brayden on Facebook and the Nikki Brayden on Instagram. I'm just going to skip Twitter for now because it's irrelevant. Because <laughs> <laughs> they told you you need to be in Twitter 101? Yes, they told me I need to go to Twitter school. So I got an attitude with Twitter today. <laughs> I don't need to go to Twitter class. What kind of crap is that? <laughs> Ever. That's why you're not posting enough. They feel like maybe you're inactive or not. That's active exactly what it is. Yes. You know, like 
Everybody uses Twitter. Black Twitter is explosive. How is this person not using Twitter? So How is this black chick not using black Twitter? What kind of nonsense is this? Go to Twitter class. <laughs> How black Twitter is, but okay. All right, so two stories we're going to talk about in the fine line. The first one is Kim Fox. So mm-hmm. not necessarily shocking that she unseats Anita Alvarez as Cook County's next state's attorney, but I think people need to realize something that, it comes with a lot of baggage. Yes. Now, mind you, she's, she's a first-time candidate in a role like this. She had been working with, you know, Tony Pretwinkle, the Cook County Board President. She definitely has experience from from a from a professional standpoint. Her background. She's somebody that's connected to Chicago on many levels. So, I mean, I think she's a good fit if it comes to that. But what I want people to understand, I mean, not that I give Anita Alvarez a pass on anything she did because she really failed to the big yes, cases to step up. And honestly, that was her undoing. If she had stepped up in the big cases, not when you got caught in the act with your pants down, right. but when it came out, then she probably would still be in office. But no one took her seriously, like you're only stepping up to the plate and bringing charges. And even though, you know, you had the whole thing that happened with Tayshawn Lee, everybody felt like that was, okay, so what? Too you little too to late. Yeah. A little too late. The, the, the Laquan McDonald thing, it's like, it took you a year to really decide to bring charges on this. So she was her own undoing. Had Alvarez probably handled those cases differently, then she probably would still be in office. So as it stands, Kim Fox, you know, wins the Democratic primary, and we see, we'll see where it goes for there. Now, what's interesting, and I want people to understand when I say this is a fine line, because it's, this is to me no different than when President Obama was elected. There was this sentiment throughout the black community that all of a sudden everything was about to get better for black people in America. Yeah. And I was like, no. Nope. Yeah. I was like, I want you to know there's a process. And if the process fails, there's only so much you can do. You have to have people that advocate for you and lobby for things to happen. If you watch the pattern from the immigrant community, from the LBGT community, you'll see people are lobbying. They're bringing the causes. They're bringing different programs that can go into play. The problem within the black community is nobody stepped up and bothered to really do it the way they should. And then, unfortunately, everyone felt like, well, he's got the highest post in the land. He should just do stuff. Mm-hmm. If he just can't do stuff, there's a problem. Right. Apparently, right. people missed Schoolhouse Rock when they told you how things were. Uh, apparently, they did. Like that. I'm just a bill. Um, yeah, you didn't see that whole thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, to sit on Capitol Hill. You, you missed that? Legislation and things like that, it, it comes yeah. about because the president makes it. So it was an epic fail as a community, period. But it's so easy to point the finger at President Obama and say that he's the reason it's an epic fail. I disagree with that. Now, I say that about Kim Fox because I want for people who voted for her, whether you're black, white, Latino, it doesn't matter, to understand what she does has to be about justice and not special interest. So if a case comes to her and she looks it over and it honestly doesn't meet the criteria, but just because the victim happened to be a person of color, it doesn't mean she can just bring charges just because. Because remember, this has to go to court and has to be litigated. And if she doesn't have a a leg to stand on, or the evidence just doesn't point to getting a conviction, just bringing up charges to appease the masses isn't the answer. And the minute a case comes along, Nikki, and it isn't clear-cut and dry, and she doesn't feel like she can really put it out there because it's speculation, people are going to start to lose faith in her. And there's lots of Mm -hmm. cases like that that exist where it's like, okay, you know, um, so you said there was a gun, but in the video there's no gun, and so now what do we do? And I'm just telling you, people get very disenchanted because they feel like you should do it just because you can, 
not because it's not necessarily the right thing to do. Now, I want to put people on notice. Like, there's a fine line on what she's going to be able to do. Don't make her into the champion of the people because she's still the state's attorney and has a job to do. People lose focus of that kind of stuff and it's so, yeah. so quickly to me. So, yes, and I, yes. Um, and yeah, you, and this that. is a different ball of wax. This is not waving your finger like Obama and making something magical happen. This is actually, like, you. people don't understand. This is, like, lives and justice and the law. So she has to really do this by the book, and she cannot appease you just because you have the same skin tone. Knock it off. Don't even start doing this to that lady. Let her do her job. This is not about appeasing you because you all the same color. Stop it. Stop, people. This is not what that is about. Not at all. Not at it's all. not, you know, and and she's walking into this. It's interesting, in the in the midst of the Department of Justice has an investigation launched. The FBI does. So she's she's dealing with a lot of different mm-hmm. balls in the air for her, which she's walking into. You know, I, I hate to say this, it's very much like President Obama. He walked into a situation where the country was literally in a depression, not a recession. Yes. And before he could make any yes. progress, he had to clean things up. She's got to go clean, clean up somebody else's up. mess. And, and the problem is. Their mess looks like your mess. And if one right. thing she can do is try to have some form of transparency. Like, here's some of the stuff that's out there I have to deal with. I didn't start it, but honestly, I have to be able to finish it. And people shouldn't hold her accountable for things that she really can't navigate through. I mean, I, I know that she knows what she's in store for, but it's kind of like how people had, they got real enamored, remember, with Marilyn Mosby, who was Baltimore State's attorney who happens to be a black female. But, people mm-hmm, got really excited mm-hmm. because the Freddie Gray case was going on. But she was like, look, there are certain people in this case I can actually file charges, and there's others that I can't. And people didn't like that answer because I guess they feel Correct. like well, the law is thrown out when it applies to us. So what now? You're going to use the law? Well, yeah, folks, because that's her job. She doesn't get to like, right. negate the law and not use it, even though it doesn't apply to you when it should. Her job is to make sure the law is actually executed and upheld. And I know Absolutely. people are going to struggle with that the first time that she's not able to bring charges or do something that people feel should happen. They're gonna have an issue with it. Yeah. Like they're gonna be like, hey, they're gonna be like, hey, can you go back and, and handle that Lakia Boy situation? I mean, that's on fair. People are like that. They just they lose focus mm-hmm. really, really quick. So, um, yeah. I, I want people. I want to chew on that. Her job is not easy. I know she knows it's not easy. But don't all of a sudden think because you have a person who looks like you in a position of power that they're gonna be Correct. able to, to to absolutely change how everything is. It doesn't work like that. But I know that people will not see that anyway and still have those expectations. It's a fine line for her. She's got a she's got a big tough job, job. Big yeah. Mountain. And I'll be honest, yeah, I'm yeah. not a job like at all. So no. we'll see how that works for her. Another story that as as we speak, things keep trending with this story, and it's crazy to me. So the first way this story was reported was that the White Sox had told Adam LaRoche, who was their first baseman, that his son Drake couldn't be in the clubhouse. Now, mind you, this was internally. What we got as a public is, thank you, Lord, for the game of baseball and for giving me way more than I ever deserved. Hashtag family first. That's what Adam LaRoche went to Twitter and put out there. And people were like, wow, it was like an early retirement. Not that, by the way, he did anything impressive last season, but I digress. Mm. With that being said, though, everyone's like, wow, when you hear family first, you're like, is something wrong? Because part of what people were looking at is by him doing an early retirement, he was leaving $13 million on the table. Everyone's like, whoa, mm-hmm. there must be something wrong because, you know, people just don't walk away from $13 million. Well, then we came Correct. to find out that he couldn't bring his son around the clubhouse as often 
as he had done previously, and Kenny Williams approached him about this. And it's interesting because last year, I guess his son Drake, who was like a teenager, um, was there all the time. So what was kind of muddying the waters is like it was being interpreted that the White Sox had told LaRoche, oh, yeah, Drake can be there every day at every game all the time and in the clubhouse. And it turns out that wasn't necessarily the case, but it happened last year, and nobody nipped it in the bud when they should. So this season, right. Kenny Williams was like, okay, it's okay sometimes, but he can't be here every day. So Kenny Williams had to come out with a statement because there was a lot of misinformation, and what he came on record as saying, I quote, there has been no policy change with regards to allowance of kids in the clubhouse, on the field, the backfield during spring training. This young man that we're talking about, Drake, everyone loves this young man, in no way do I want this to be about him. I asked Adam, listen, our focus, our interest, our desire this year is to make sure we give ourselves every opportunity to focus on a daily basis on getting better. I am asking you to do with regard to bring your kids to the ballpark and to dial it back. So what he said is not don't bring them, but this is about baseball, and I want us 100% focused on baseball. He said, I don't think we should, he should be here 100% of the time. And he has been here 100% of the day, every day in the clubhouse. I think he should be here 50% of the time. So that's what it came down to. And Al LaRoche took it personally that if Kenny Williams was demonizing him, and players got polarized by this allegedly. And, I mean, Chris Sale, who I love, um, has been obviously, you know, he was saying that Kenny's lying about his statement, that that's not what happened. Um, I'm like, well, Chris, and I love you, and I don't want you to go anywhere, but were you in the room when Kenny said this? Or right. are you just going with Adam told you? You know, and understand this, Kitty Williams is not liked by many people. But he's now the general, you know, he's now in a higher role organization, right. Rick the general manager. Let me just say this. Regardless to what the policy is, nobody should have their kid at work 100% of the time. Even no. if you can do that in the scope of your job, just like, for instance, people complain about family first and family time and how work takes away from family. So now we ask this question, is it appropriate for family to take away from work? If he's on the field, he's in the clubhouse, that changes the complexion of maybe how players would even interact with each other because there's a young man in the clubhouse. Right. We're trying to build rapport. There's new players there, Todd Frazier, other people. We're trying to be cohesive. That might mean I may not do something inappropriate because this kid is there, and to me that changes how they need to bond as a team. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with it is if I pay you $13 million, you got enough money to get a babysitter. Leave your kid at home. This is a job. See, this is, you, you know what I mean? I don't, we're not having an argument. This, what is the argument about? I'm paying you $13 million. I'm not paying you $5 an hour. To come. We're talking $13 million. For $13 million, you can't respect me and leave your child at home, and you're going to throw a hissy fit? See, this is what I'm saying. When God gives you toys and you don't act right, take them away. I will leave my kids on the moon for $13 million, and I will just take a rocket <laughs> back and forth, <laughs> back and forth from Talk work if, I, if need be. <laughs> Why I find this bothering is people are like, yeah, it's family first. I make mean, hold up, everybody. You're missing what's going on here. And I, yeah. And here's what, and then the back story starts to come out that his son is homeschooled. So he's homeschooled. He does some things with the public school district, but he's homeschooled the majority of the time. He's 14. So he does have the time that he's available, and I get that. But my thing is, Alan LaRoche, see, as a, as a fan of the White Sox, I'm very offended that you didn't understand the importance of what you're supposed to do. Kenny's right. Look, we got something we need to accomplish here because we failed our yeah. fans. We're not performing up to expectations. And spring training is that time for us to focus on trying to get things right. 
I don't think what he said was wrong. Now, how he said it, he's like not even 50% of the time. And, and here comes into the other thing. If you do this for one person, this could turn into a cascade, and all of a sudden everybody will. You're going to have a whole nursery school in your clubhouse. Because I, if you bring your child every day, then I'm going to bring mine, and then so on and so on. And you're just going to have a nursery school. This can get out of hand, and I don't understand why he doesn't understand that. Look, if family is first, then stay at home. You have a job. People have to work. This is like everyday life. What makes you think you're so different? And the thing is, players around me are like, yeah, you did the right thing. And I'm like, did he really do the right thing? But see, this is when you get into jobs like this where it's not the every average Joe type job. People all of a sudden start to lose focus but you do have an yes. employer. That somebody does sign your check. Correct. There's still a level of expectation and responsibility that exists. Even though this is entertainment, it's a sport. Guess what, folks? It's a business. And the yeah. business yes. is you getting on the field and performing because then that feels the seat. It gets people excited. But if you suck, nobody's there. And I can't believe that LaRoche would even be such a jag bag about this and make it feel yeah. like the organization is anti-kid. I'm like, no, he had it right. Like, okay, um, and the problem is he let it happen last year. He should have nipped it in the bud. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you notice something, you're like, okay, next year it probably won't happen. Yeah. Maybe if he was just, you know, trying to establish something with his son, he brought him in, blah, blah, blah. He probably, see, this is an example of you can't let things run amok. And I know a lot of times when you see something bad, this is true about life. If you catch something that's wrong in the first place, you need to call it out. Because if you mm-hmm. don't continue for too long, when you do call it out, they go, you were letting me do that. It's too late. So why right. is it different now? It's, it's too, yes. too late, too little. So why too is late. it not okay now? And that's why you got to, like, toe the line and be like, look, here's, here's the expectation. There might be days where you can bring kids. Um, and they, I don't think they even have a big policy. He was like, dude, you're kind of abusing the privilege. He's here every day, all the time, everywhere. And I do believe that affects how a team can really be cohesive because it's a young man's around it. You know what I mean? So they're going to yeah, change their yeah. behavior. Yeah. So um, to me, you took, you took something that was a privilege and a benefit, and you abused it and got mad at the organization for saying, Cause you, they didn't say don't bring them back. They just said, can you scale it back? I'm trying to figure out why that was wrong. They could have been like, no more kids. That's it. We're done. They didn't say that. They did not say that, and I don't understand why he's being a spoiled brat about this. But, see, that's prob- part of the problem when somebody's job involves a ball and a stick. You forget it's a job, and you think it's fun. <laughs> Who has right. a ball and a stick? You forget it's a job. And so now he's being – nobody on the planet here's, can take their child to work every single day with them. As much as we would well, love to, right. parents are torn, we hate leaving our children, but it has to be done. Wait, wait. What makes you so Sometimes. different? Look. Some people like going to work to get away from their kids for a minute because it allows them yeah. to have a form of autonomy and to feel like they have value in work. Sometimes people ain't trying to be around their kids all the time. But my thing is, what he's confusing to me is you're actually not self-employed, Adam LaRoche. You have an employee right. with money. Exactly. Now, if you're self-employed and you run your own business and you are yes. a full entity, you can do whatever you want to. You can bring your kids to work every time you want to yep. because you are self-employed. Yep. But you're not self-employed. You're a contracted employee with expectations from an organization. And I don't know why anybody's having a problem with this. And now I feel like Me MLB either. and team, go back and put a clause in there. You don't have to deal with this no more. Because if you got apparently, if players want to rally and say, it's wrong, then that tells me you don't take the game serious. You have no respect for your fans. I'm going to toss it right back to you. How about that? So I don't know. I think that he should apologize to the fan base because now this has turned into an ugly mess. And there was even a comment that players had thought about boycotting one of the games. Hold up. You're getting paid to be on the field. Last time I checked, Drake LaRoche does not get a paycheck from the Chicago White Sox. See, right there, everybody's conflicted right. with some BS that LaRoche did. And I have a problem with him creating a spin 
and causing division is not necessary. And I, I think it's very unfortunate that nobody sees that this should not be going on. But a lot of people have spoke out and said the media-wise, like, oh, yeah, no, dude, that's not right. You totally overstepped your bounds. But, like you said, spoil brat. This is what happens. Yes. When you take your, when you take your blessings for granted, that's what happens. All right. A fine line, folks. It's a fine line. Leave your kids at home, even if your boss says it's okay. That's what bring your kid to work day is for. One day That's what that one day is for. So you can see what they're doing. All right. The first hour is in the books. We're going to take another break and come back and do a little tech talk, something we have not done. Wow. In quite a while, there's some good stuff out there. One, there's an app that will teach you how to be prepared if your plane happens to crash. I love it. And Nike, they want to stupefy you even more. They have designed self-tying shoes. All that oh, is more than everybody. The title will be like that. calmly 
close your eyes, and if someone's next to you you care about, hold their hand and squeeze, and hope to God when the plane crashes you don't die, and it's not in water. What can an app tell you that's going to really help you to survive a plane crash of all things? Well, I don't know. Yes, there is now an app that is trying to inform people, and you can find it on iPhone and Android both, Um, but it's not an app app, it's a game. And it's designed to teach people about aviation safety, a.k.a. how to survive a plane crash. The name of the app is called Prepare for Impact. (laughs) Wow. It simulates the in-flight scenarios of your nightmares. So, like, ranging from crashing into water to in-flight decompression, like, you know, when the the oxygen masses will drop down from the ceiling. Um, Mm -hmm. If a plane runs off the runway, just different stuff like that. Um, And just different threats that might be fire, um, if there's unusable exits because there's water submersion, just stuff like that. So it tells you how to make decision-making based on your scenario and the consequences based on your actions. <laughs> wow. I might okay. download the app just because I want to see what it tells you to do. I'm going to scream every time. That's going to be my action every single time. I'm just going to scream my head off. every. I don't care what it is. I'm just going to start screaming. That is the worst. See, I can't. I can't play this game. I can't play this game. That is like the worst. This is the worst. This is the absolute worst. It's, this is a an actual um, app game that's developed by the Human Computer Interaction Lab that's out of Italy, University of Eugene to be exact. And this is the game. The developers and the researchers, what they wanted to do is obviously to kind of give people ideas of how to you know deal with when you have crisis <laughs> on a flight. And they're trying to inject it with like humor and interactive cartoons. I'm like, dude, this is all stressful stuff. There are no cartoons. Yeah, that is stressful. Right, right. (laughs) This is stressful. This is the worst. Look, I can't even stand flying with my husband because he does planes and all. And one time we were flying, and he was like, ice is building up on the wings, and if they don't de-ice it, then they go. I was like, shut up. I was like, shut up. Well, guess what? What? There's nothing to you. Shut up. You know, that always makes me think about, uh, did you ever see the um, Twilight Zone? with the creature on the wing, and the man keeps looking out yeah, there and saying it, yeah. and nobody believes him. I think about stuff like that, yes. he's like freaking out. Look, what they need to, I'll tell you what, what scenario they need to have in this game is when passengers go nuts, when the flight yeah. attendant sets a fire in the bathroom, that's the kind of stuff when someone has a weapon. But see, I'm going to tell you something. They're going to stick away from stuff like that because that can create a liability because those kind of mm-hmm. things are happening. So imagine you've got – a person on the plane and they're armed. What do you do? Sit in your seat. Right. Because the wrong move is a bad situation. So I'm Pretty like, much. I think they're going to tiptoe around certain types of crisis because it could be too much of a liability, even though they probably, I'm sure, have a disclaimer in the game that says these are just, it's just a game, these are possible scenarios. By no means are we saying that you should act according to how it happens in the game. Probably. Boo, this game. I can't even, that's stressful. I'm not even playing this. Prepare I can't take it. Like, I can't take it. I can't. A game? That's the last game I want to play, prepare for impact. Meet the last game. They do enough when they give you the little instructions in the beginning of flight about your seat, the flotation device, yes. and the mask drops down, put it on you first, and then put it on the person. Yes. That's enough for me right there. And notice the exit and the sign. The light, it lights up, and it goes this way. And they ask you. If you're not comfortable sitting by an exit, you know, an exit door, row, you got to move. And I'll be like, and gladly. <laughs> Can it be first class? But, Gladly. But yeah, but I, I guarantee you there's mad disclaimers, and I might just keep this out because I'm really curious 
how good the scenarios are. I'm just kidding. I'm not so doing I'm it. I sit out. in the exit row because there's more leg room for me, but I was like, if anything happened, don't count on me. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything. I am not the one to go. I'm going to sit here because there's more leg room, but I'm not I'm not the one to look for if you're in trouble because I'm not doing anything. All right, yeah. So if you so, see me in the exit row, no, I'm not your you savior. If you like to walk that line of danger and intrigue, maybe somebody will check out Prepare for Impact. Um, wow. See how, what they're going to tell you to do when the plane crashes on water. Cause nine times I'm time, not doing I don't see, I care. That's my biggest fear. No. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear. I hate flying no. over water. Oh, well, I have biggest should, fear. Well, if you ever have to nope. fly over water, maybe you should play this nope. game first to kind of help uh-uh. prepare for it. Mm-mm. No. Shan. Like, no. Can't go for that. No, no can do. <laughs> All right. Nike, or Nike, however you like to say it is always looking for ways to stay ahead or keep, I guess, the juice, the, the gym shoot game hot for people besides just the way they look. But they, they do, I guess, take pride in their technology, everything from, you know, the fits, the endurance, shoes that are really fit for every, you know, thing you do, whether it's cross-training, whether it's basketball. They always right. try to have that technology that made a better shoe. This, I don't see how, makes it a better shoe. Brace yourself because at the end of this year, the HyperAdapt 1.0 it's coming to a Nike store near you, and it's a shoe that has sensors in the heel level, and it activates the laces when the foot slips into the shoe. Two buttons on each side of the shoe can be pressed to loosen or to tighten, but pretty much these shoes lace themselves. Nike calls it adaptive lacing. Now, Kids are not, not going to be able to tie their shoes now. Now kids aren't going to be able to tie their shoes. Kids, I love this. The designer of this shoe... Their, their name is Tinker Hatfield. Tinker. You know what, Tinker? <laughs> Tinker. Can I just tell you, this, this borderline on super-duper laziness. There are always shoes that don't even have laces. It just kind of conforms they to are. what it is, that you don't yeah. even have to do this. So I'm just like, okay, I know Back to the Future Part 2 has something similar to this. Back to the Future has, has inspired so much type of technology, it makes me laugh. But yeah. I'm like anti this. The only time I can see this being a beneficial thing is for athletes, because occasionally you'll see during play they got to stop so they can tie their shoes. But other than right. that, for for the regular Joe, I'm like, can't we just tie our shoes? And you're right, kids, will, they already barely know how to tie their shoes. I'm telling you, I was like, this is, if I still have to double knot, do you know how long it took me to double knot? And this still, every time my child comes home, his shoes, I was like, what is happening? So this is not a bad idea just to alleviate that problem, but then when would you ever learn how to tie your shoe? It's, I, don't, I don't know. I We're, guess you're going to have to have multiple pairs. you got to have a pair so they have to tie them. Because, you know, for a while, I, I was concerned that Delco was going to have that effect on people. They oh, this lace, oh. you know, like, don't tie your shoes. Thank God that trend didn't last too long. Except right. there's still a geriatric shoot. But oh God, that, that <laughs> kind of died down. I was like, this is not a good look at all. But you know, really, not at all. really stifles. It really does stifle the development for kids. I mean, obviously, we know how to tie shoes. Now, you know what's interesting? I would not be surprised if the shoe has a better fit because it laces up, probably, and then you adjust it to the fit of your foot. So it probably has yes. an amazing fit on your foot. To be honest. I mean, it's tempting. It sounds good, and I guarantee you, they're probably going to sell like hotcakes. Oh yeah, yeah, I, absolutely, they will. Absolutely. They're going to sell no doubt. like like hotcakes. So very, very, very interesting. So uh, that's some text out there. It's supposed to be coming to a store near you by the end of other text that's out there. And we already talked about Uber. I tend to talk about Uber More in a Uber. favorable way, though. So right. last year, Uber actually began. Um, they did a test of um, 
a type of service they wanted to provide, which was commuter-based. They actually did it in Chicago and Seattle where there are two test sites, and I guess it had a favorable response. And so now, along with the fact that you can obviously get a ride through Uber as well as have food delivered, they do, like, medical assistance stuff. Um, now commuting is on the list of things that they're adding to the list of services that can be provided. So if you happen, here's what's interesting. Let's say you already carpool with people. Like, you know that ride share stuff that people were doing? Let's say you're uh-huh. ride sharing with people already. You can become an Uber driver and actually get paid for commuting. The whole thing is about lessening the commute, putting less cars on the road is what Uber said. So now they have an algorithm wow. that said that more people – will actually ride together, and especially if it gives them an opportunity to make money from it and it becomes a write-off, they said it actually appeals to a lot of people in the markets that they tested it on. Okay, now wait, wait, wait. Now now I have a question. So how do you now know if I'm just like, okay, I'm an Uber driver and I'm taking people to work, but I'm not? How do you know mm-hmm. that? No, it's the way it, then app is designed for commuters. So this isn't just about you doing like a ride. It's a ride share, so it's not the same app they're going to be using as they use with a regular Uber driver because they realize okay. that they're, it's, it's not the same. The destination okay. is usually always the same for most people. And so, no, it's not like that. Okay. And the app is based on how many people are in the car. I'll be curious because the whole ride sharing thing is not – I've never wanted to sit in the car with people I don't know for more than like 15 minutes. I know. No. <laughs> but I guess you get to know them, I guess, if you do it enough. And – you know what's weird is the park and ride thing, Nikki. Is park, a lot of people do that. I see it. The park and ride is huge for people. Mm-hmm. Those park and ride parking lots are usually right off of major expressways. Um, right. I've seen sometimes 10, 15 cars in there. So technically people are already kind of doing this. So as this might apply, you might have someone that's ride sharing with people, the park and ride, and might say, well, heck, if I can get money for it and make it right. a write-off, I, I, can make it, I can make it more lucrative. So we'll see if um, – Uber commutes if it works for people. A final okay. tech thing, and this is for everybody that's not Uber based. See, and this is not, and this is why people should not like turn their nose up at Uber if you happen to have like a private car service or a taxi service, because Google Maps has aligned themselves with a couple taxi cab services like 99 Taxi, Ola Cab, My Taxi, Get, and Halo. And now uh-huh. you will be able, if you use those cab services, to hail a cab from your Google Maps app. So you have to you have to download the feature that you want to be able. Can to you do out. that? But we have don't they have an app? I have don't there are taxi apps. Well, this is but Google Maps is aligning themselves with specific taxi cab companies is what I'm saying. Okay. So upon where you are, you ping, and actually opposed to you having to hail a cab, find a cab that's right there for you and hail it from your phone. But I, you can I, do I, that I, already. I have that. I do that downtown. I just push the thing, and then the, it'll ping me, and it'll be like, I'll come pick you up on the corner. Okay. Well, Google, yeah. Google's gotten the game. Huh. So, you know, it's kind of, yeah, there's they're like kind of rivaling with, like, you know, obviously giving other people options that don't have Uber or Lyft. Um, okay. Different, they're, they're allowing taxi cab companies to have access to technology without having to spend all the money. You know what I'm saying? They have access to that mm-hmm. technology. So it's interesting. So once again, I think it's great. It's an easier way to hail a cab. Of course, it is. Hand, yes. and somebody will pull over. You can just ping it. Boom. Here it is for you. Yep. I think it's great. So for everybody who hates Uber because they feel like they're monopolizing, um, here comes all these apps that are helping taxi services be able to compete with Uber. So yep. not not a bad deal. So that's some of the tech stuff that's not a bad going deal. out. So 
Everything awesome. from driving to tying your shoes to preparing yourself for that big flight across across the Atlantic Ocean or something. I, that I'm not airport. doing. We can scratch that. <laughs> that I'm not doing. Boo that. <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. You're going to have to get on the plane eventually. Oh, and, God. and prepare for impact is right there to get you ready for it. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you to watch that before. That, game before. that would be stressful. All right. That's it for our tech talk. We haven't done in a while. I think we have some interesting stuff. We're going to take another uh-huh. break and we come back. Some celebrity talk inside. I, a little presidential in nature from the president himself and the first lady. Some things that they talked about that I think are interesting. Obama nominates who he thinks should replace. Chief Justice Scalia, and a lot of people are a little disappointed. Mad, yeah. He said should be played. So we'll talk about that. We'll take a quick break after this. Thank you. 
right. Welcome back to the Maya Casual Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We're into probably talking side-eye, and this is all kind of a presidential talk with interesting, or things related to the presidency. First, we'll talk about, finally, we know that Chief Justice, Justice Anton Scalia passed away, and there was mm-hmm. quite a bit of controversy in regards to if President Obama should nominate, you know, the replacement, or should they wait for the next, you know, president-elect to do so. And most people are like, no, he's in office for quite a bit of time. Why should that seat be left blanket? Besides, if it happens right. while you're president, you, that's part of what you're supposed to do. Of course, there's many, especially from the Republican side, that are like, no, no, no. I'm like, well, why not? So why is the next president? And, of course, you know, Mitch McConnell, who just to me, how he's elected, I have no idea. But was very vocal about it. So President Obama is like, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to nominate somebody. And that's going to be that. That's gonna be, and that's so, going to be that. There were lots of names out there, um, you know, different candidates, and everybody was curious what direction he was going to go. And he decided to go with Merrick Garland, his, his person he'd like to have appointed to replace Scalia. And it's enough, I don't know much about Merrick Garland. I don't think anybody really did. He's Me either. He's from, here, he's from Illinois. Um, he's a Harvard grad, so he had those Harvard connections mm-hmm. right there. Um, he went to Harvard Law School. But, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he comes out of the District of Columbia. He was working there within um, the U.S. Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia in their circuit court. So, obviously, you know, he comes – I mean, he's got the background. I mean, from everything that I've learned about him, I mean, he's the age that they tend to like for chief justices to be. He's 63. <laughs> they like old guys. Right. Um, right. He's the right age based on that. Um, he was a clerk for the, uh, a former Supreme Court Justice, William um, Brennan, he served in the Justice Department in different leadership capacities. Um, he was a deputy assistant attorney um, for the criminal division, and later he was a principal associate for deputy attorney general. The, the bottom line is obviously the man has the pedigree and the background and the knowledge base to do it. President Obama kind of went into the fact that he feels that his background, he worked through college, you know, um, he had mm-hmm. some very interesting kind of work in regards to what happened with the Oklahoma City bombing. He was part of um, the legal team that worked on that. So he said he just feels that he comes to this with lots of experience as not just working in the, in the justice field or legal field, but he feels his integrity as a person, that he's open-minded, fair, and balanced, and feels that he'd be the best fit. So, But this comes under scrutiny because you know what people yeah. wanted. Um, I, yeah. And I, I asked this, is it wrong that he did not nominate a person of color? Yes, and, so- and I'm mad. <laughs> yes, 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 and I'm mad. And I never get mad at him for that because I know he's everybody's president. But I'm like, when you're going out, go out with a bang. I was, when Clinton went out, he started pardoning people. He was just letting people out of jail. Like, he didn't care. He was like, I'm just getting ready to go out and go out with a bang. This was a time for Obama to absolutely nominate a person of color and tick everybody off, and he didn't do it. I'm like, see, this is you going out. You don't have, There's no scrutiny. You're done. Just do it. People have been complaining you don't do enough for black people. You you couldn't be every, just our president. I get that. I understand that. Now this is your time to shut everybody up, and he didn't do it, and I'm kind of a little bit upset about that. I'm in my feelings about it. I'm not going to lie. I am. I mean, I, I am too, and I, I think the reason that it's because there is nobody right now that's black. <laughs> it was a lady. What was her name? It was a it was it was a lady that they were considering. I can't remember her name. But oh, no, no, considering. But no, I'm 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 taking a poke at Justice Thomas, you know that, because oh, by yeah. no means 
he would he would oh yeah never no I mean yeah no the, oh, oh I thought you meant that there's nobody black to con oh no oh, oh no, 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 this, no, yeah, no no we don't have any no um right right she oh yeah no we don't have any black people on the court we don't no, we don't no, there's no black people on the Supreme Court um none. I just, it's disappointing. She was out of California. I can't think of her name right now. It might come to Yeah, me. it was. Um, she was. She was. She, she was out of California. And she, mm-hmm. granted, a bit younger than most justices, but it does seem like she really came with a decent background and would be a good fit. Yes. I'm, 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 just, yes. I'm just disappointed. I mean, here's my thing. Me Even too. if you didn't nominate a, a black person, because you have not nominated another woman, there's enough men, there's, there's such a lack of balance to me. Right. I'm like, so why are we keep doing this? same thing over and over again. Why can't we rock the boat? I mean, I feel like, right, you know, Sotomayor right now is the one who I feel like at least creates a little balance to it. She rocks the boat. Right. I like her. I like her. Right. not have added another another woman because we have a deficiency of minorities as far as I'm concerned. He could have killed two court. birds with one stone. If he would have took the lady from California, he would have had a woman on there and a person of color, two birds with one stone, bam, there you go. Why didn't he do that? Uh, no, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty my sure feelings people, about this. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure people feel that Sotomayor, she's she's Latino as well as you know she is you know she's a woman, so that boom. But I just we just you need can more have more variety. than one crayon in the box. Like you can that's and it. Want, like you I, can. I, let, I guess no, I get that. I agree with that. I agree 100. Um, percent We we need more diversity. That's really missing. Yeah. And and right now there are some there are some key issues on the table. Everything from affirmative action to immigration to, you know, the whole, you know, gay marriage. I mean, we we need some diversity, not to mention, I would have loved to see a bit more youth on the Supreme Court because when you have people a certain age, they have like-minded viewpoints, and it's time for some diversity to kind of mix right. that up. Why, why is it that you have to be old as dirt? And 53 is not old, it's dirt. Right. But could we, could we, there's nobody you're trying to tell me who's younger, who maybe has a fresh face, you know, fresh perspective, and I get that. Part of what they probably don't want to do is rock the boat and change it too much because then all of a sudden it gets controversial. You know what I mean? But isn't that what that's about? I mean, if you don't it is what it's about. land, like Correct. that's what it's about. It's about rocking the boat. It's about change. It's about making people uncomfortable. Because when, when everybody's comfortable, nothing really ever changes. So, I mean, Correct. I was just, I was just, I, was just I can't think of her name right now. It'll come to me later, but she's in California. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was just very. It was just very disappointing. Uh, disappointing. Yeah. Um, not a person of color, not a woman. I'm like, here we go. With yeah. Things that's already there. Um, and trust me, um, the nominee, i, I got to find her name, um, seemed like she was worthy based on her credentials. Mm-hmm. You know, this is another reason why people look at President Obama. And I hear black people specifically say all the time, he's done nothing for us. In eight right. years, he's done nothing for he us. He dropped the ball on this one. This was the time that he could have shut everybody up and say, like, see, I'm going out. I'm, I got you. He could have done that and just, oh, why didn't he? I'm trying to figure out why he didn't do that because I'm really upset at him. I, I don't know. I, I just don't. You know, I would love to be able, when he can have candid conversations. I'm going to go to his house. After, when, seriously, when he after goes, he, I'm going to his house. I'm like, I got some questions right, you know, for you. Once he actually, like, you know, is no longer the president, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him about his perspective of his time as president. Because I understand you are the president of the people. But right. there's Correct. always, for instance, if, if Hillary happens to win the presidency, Women are going to expect that she is going to advocate for us and make things yes. happen. That's the whole reason that we're voting to put you in office is that the inequalities exist in so many arenas for women. 
we want you to address that, even though I will tell you this. That's really an uphill battle, and I say that because with, with gender discrimination, with, let's say, in corporate America, I don't feel there's a law you can pass that changes how people decide to hire or pay people. That's really out of your scope. And one of the mm-hmm. biggest issues is saying that women are underpaid in equal positions that they have with men. But then you have to get into, well, if now it's about skill set, is it really about gender? You know what I mean? So right. that's a slippery slope, but I do hope as women we understand um, the suffrage movement is open. It's over. We now can vote and, and do things. So I honestly don't know from a standpoint of having a female president what she changes for women overall. Just I don't know what people are expecting on that. I would, yeah. I would vote for it just because I, I want a woman to have crack at being president. I'm like, men have been messing it up for years. So let's, let us have a crack mm-hmm. at it and see what's going to happen. That's my kind of thought of it. Not that I think she's going to step in and everything's going to change for women. No, not at Correct. all. So I would like to sit down with, with President Obama and just ask him some, some questions like, this is how people feel that you really didn't do anything for black people when you were in a position to do something. Which, what's your response to that? How do you feel? about that. And I'd like to know, he's no longer president, so he can choose to be honest or not honest. Talking right. about being honest or not honest, all of a sudden, obviously, is his presidency winding down, and obviously you've got Hillary Clinton running for president as her husband, Bill Clinton, was president. Um, people start throwing questions to Michelle Obama when she was at a South by Southwest event on Wednesday, and she was focusing on lack of opportunities for you know millions of girls around the world, specifically when mm-hmm. they're not enrolled in school. And someone threw a question at her, um, if she would consider running for president. And actually, especially the Queen Latifah was a moderator for this event. Um, and she actually said she would not run for president, and she talked about her daughters, uh, Sasha and Malia, were her reason. She's like, I have two young people at my home. And being the daughter of a president, just think about it. It's not easy. They've handled it with grace and poise. And I like her answer. She was like, mm-hmm. you know what? They've already had to live through being yeah. under a microscope at the most key, the most key time in their life is being teens. Right. God knows I would never put the microscope back on them again. But what's mm-hmm. interesting is I never saw Michelle Obama in that capacity. I think she's intelligent. Um, she's well-spoken. She's an attorney herself. But I never looked at her like, why would she want to be president? She didn't strike me as that kind of person. No, no. she uh, No, she didn't. I mean, not that she couldn't do it, but she yeah, I get what you're saying. She doesn't strike me as president kind of, you know, run for president kind of kind of thing. I think she would probably do a great job. Probably she seems very level-headed and I mean, I think she would do an awesome job, but I don't see her wanting to even do that. And she's probably like, I saw what that did to my husband and I went, you know what I mean? It's too much. It's absolutely too much. She was like, "No, I'll pass." And the scrutiny that he was under and then being a woman and then being a woman of color, can you imagine how they yeah. would come at her? She's probably like, Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass on that one. Right. You know, and I think of and I I understand why people look at her like would she consider it because when you look at the history of first ladies, for sure Hillary and Michelle have probably been two of the most active and influential and really I mean, I just think of yes. presence. Not that other first ladies didn't have presence. Even Nancy Reagan had a presence but not to me to the level that you saw from Hillary as well as from Michelle. So no, I can see no. why people would ask her that. But, I, but people forget she really did initially even want President Obama to run for president. She really wasn't like right. a fan of it. She was like, cause she, I mean, I, I get the pressure. But one of the things we talked about on, on Wednesday when there was criticism about the $20,000 dresses that Malia and Sasha had on at a state, a formal state affair, is that 
even once they leave the White House, these two young girls will be scrutinized for the rest of their life. People will be looking for them to make a mistake to criticize them. So she, she's like, yes. it's time to not be under the microscope. And I like the fact that they're actually staying in D.C. until Sasha is done with school because they realize it's hard for her to find friends. So that's right. not even asking her, like, hey, we want you to go and do this because they know it's hard to start over because it was probably hard for her just to make the friends that she has. You know, mm-hmm. so they're worried about Malia going to college and having to find friends and hoping people don't take advantage of her. You know what I mean? Right, so, um, yeah. And I'll tell you what, it could be my imagination, but I always felt like, did it seem like those two girls got more attention than any other, like, you know, first family daughters that were the White House? I mean, I, I was a Bush they, they got, they got, they got, more negative. Those Bush girls, they I got to tell you, they stayed in the news. I remember I'm like, what did they do now? But they were doing things, you know what I mean? They got more attention for not doing anything. Them damn Bush girls, I promise you. I was like, jeez, Louise, your dad is the president. Would you knock it off? They always drunk. <laughs> like DUIs and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, they were horrible. But I think these girls got more um, attention for not doing anything. Yeah, they, I mean, they weren't doing anything wrong or anything, well, so they were just, they people came. just wanted to, you know, pick on them, you know? What was it? They were, I mean, they were young when the president came into the White House. What, Malia had to be, what, like 12? Nine? Was she? One was nine, I think. Yeah, they were right? young. I mean, so there yeah. was only so much scrutiny you could honestly do of them because they were young girls when they right. came in. They weren't right. like teens. Now they're finally right. teens, but at this point, they had four years to kind of get into the flow and, and understand how people were scrutinizing. But know this. Michelle had them right together on this. She oh, yes. There is yes. no room for failure on this. And I can guarantee you, there were probably some moments where there was like, where it, it got a little edgy because they're like, man, I just want to be a kid. So I can appreciate yes. the fact she's like, look, no, we're stepping out of the public eye. They're going to get to go be kids and enjoy some part of their young life because they've already yes. sacrificed enough. So interesting that people would ask her, would she want to be president? And she was like, it's so hard to think about it yesterday. Like, boys and men said, what's going to happen? Ta-ta. Bye. See you later when it's over. Bye. She's on countdown. I'm serious. I think Michelle's on countdown. She's probably like, I'll, I might miss the free fashion I got, but she's the dress to the nines. She was definitely next to Jackie Onassis. Mm-hmm. Seriously. She started we, a little rough, though. I said she started out a little rough. She had to transition into that because she came in a, a, little, a little rough. I was like, okay, Michelle, you got to step that up. But then she got man, to she's going out with a bang, she turned it around. She's going out with a bang. She's like, I got it now. Going out with a bang. I was like, okay. She's got it down yep. now. Yep. You know she had to work into it. She just couldn't go in there and all of a sudden just throw in hair enhancements because you know people would have a problem with that. So she eased all her stuff in. She little. did. By little, by little. So I like how she worked into it. And I have to say, I'm she always, into she it. is like, she is so flawless. I'm like, Jesus, who's the mm-hmm. Because I've yet to see her in anything and didn't think it looked amazing on her. I was like, she just has, either she's got a great stylist or she's got a better sense of style than I realized. It's probably yeah. her. <laughs> on yeah. that one. All she's... right. So that's just some story talk a little presidential nomination to Supreme Court and okay. with Michelle Obama like to be president and I, I think we I, there's some disappointment with President Obama I have to admit I'm it's yeah. not vision but I, I really wanted a person of color or a woman to be nominated but it is what it is what can we do nothing except for accepting nothing. and move on all right we are going to move to our final segment Nikki's cream of the crop and this time Woo-hoo. you have something that is right on time for spring in Chicago. I'm not even going to tell you what it is because I don't want to spoil it until we come back from break. Everybody, you're tuned in to the Maya Kai Show. Featuring <laughs> our final 
things you need to do this summer and places to be, and in this cream of the crop, I like this, Nikki. This is good, good stuff. So, this warm weather, is this what motivated you to come up with this list of things that people need to yes. know about? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, like, it's time to get out. Yes. 
Throw, put all your winter stuff away, and let's get ready for spring. Very excited. Love the warm weather. So it's definitely the inspiration for this. All right. So what do you have in store for us? I have for you my Chicago people, and this comes from the com. I have the five best all-weather rooftop bars in Chicago because we do know that even though it'll be warm one day, we'll get a little finicky in the next couple of days, but it's still kind of too cold to be outside, <laughs> but it's still you can sit and enjoy it. So these are all-weather rooftop bars in Chicago. I have five best ones for you, starting with number wow, one. I didn't know. Wow, I didn't know there was even any all-weather. I never knew that. I'm curious to hear this. Okay. Yep. So number one is Jay Parker. And they're saying that this is an awesome bar atop the Hotel Lincoln, and it gets absolutely crazy in the summer, But um, and it starts on noons and weekends, but during the winter and spring it's still relatively calm, probably because people don't realize it has a full-on convertible roof. So people don't even Ooh. know that it's up there, probably like a lot of people don't even know. It also has right. the only rooftop bar in the city with this view. It looks out over Lincoln Park towards the lake, and you can get snacks, mm. and Chef Paul Barrett presides over the perennial view downstairs, or in the um, hotel, the restaurant downstairs, but you can get snacks upstairs from the restaurant. So nice. Jay Parker. I like this. It, it, it kind of has, like, when you look at the picture, it looks like kind of like a greenhouse in a way, like how it's made. It does look like a greenhouse, but, yes. So that would be something, if you saw that, you probably wouldn't even think it was a rooftop bar. Okay, like a nice location, right. 1819 North And that Clark is Street. 1816 okay. North Clark Street. Nice, okay. So that's where that is. All right. Number two is I.O. Right, Godfrey. I.O. Godfrey. Okay. This bar is in the Godfrey Hotel and is super scene-tastic. And as you probably can guess, it's better than they're saying Studio Paris and The Wit because they didn't make the list. So that was kind of like a diss. I don't know what that's about. Wow. I didn't say it. Chicagoists okay. did. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. They have great drinks, a good view, and a bumping DJ. <laughs> the vodka okay. tonics are expensive. All the stuff you need. Vodka tonics are kind of expensive. That being said, it's an absolutely beautiful bar. It's got a perfect summer greenhouse vibe, and they make a really good classic Manhattan. So go for a pre-dinner drink, and you'll be the only one there. So if you get there kind of early for pre-dinner, and then after that, I guess it gets kind of packed. And that is located at 127 West Huron. Okay. Well, look, let's accept it. If you're drinking in the city, you're paying dollars. So yeah. you don't have to say expensive vodka tonics because – it's just expensive, period. So just accept that yeah. if you've got a good view, chances are you're going to pay good money for it. So, okay. Yes. All right, check with okay. Number three, the drum bar. Drum hmm. bar is an interesting beast. It's a combination of a perfect leather-bound old man library inside and a pretty hopping bar scene outside. But when it's cold hmm. and rainy, it's also a chance to have a good drink with a view without getting drenched. Try to get a seat in the tiny hallway of the main dining room that looks out onto the rooftop. It also boasts a challenging and legit bar program, also with a whimsical set of candy-inspired cocktails. So that is the Drum Bar, and it's located at 201 East Delaware. Okay. I don't know what the candy cocktails are about. Oh, it's probably like flavors like licorice and like cotton candy and stuff like that. Or something like that, yeah. Probably. So we got to put this on. The, we got to check some of these out. All right. Absolutely. Um, coming up next is Cindy's. This rooftop bar in Chicago Athletic Association, which I love that place. Um, 
Hotel is one of the prettiest spaces open in 2015. It's also a great space for bad weather drinking because it has a huge high glass rooftop that makes you feel mm. like you're outside, but you're actually inside. And you get the view of Millennium Park. It's like right across the street, so you can see Millennium Park oh, okay. and the lake. It also features. Didn't, you didn't know that? It's a. I, yeah, it's I a wonderful. I love this place. I love it. Their bar, yeah, like I, inside, I I, is really really nice. It's really really super cute. Yeah, I didn't even but, know uh, that. The Christmas party was there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, there's a huge list of drinks and a shareable menu, um, but don't try to get in on pretty weekends. <laughs> it's best to just come on a Tuesday because it's really popular and trendy, and there is a place inside, and it's hidden, but you, it's like all kind of special. you got to have a special invitation. It's a little bar in there, uh, so this is like a really trendy little spot. So, yeah, don't try, to, okay. don't try it on a Saturday. <laughs> don't try Cindy's on a Saturday. You're not and this is at 12 South okay. Michigan. Oh, yeah. Right there. Okay. Well, for the Cost Millennium Park. So, yeah, it's right there in the heart. Okay, cool. And last, we have Green River. And it says, we continue to be impressed by the drinks and the food on the Streeterville space. It's not technically a rooftop, but it's got a huge, like, wraparound porch with a great view. Mm-hmm. And it's totally accessible during every season. Best of all, they just opened an annex, a smaller cocktail focused spot for even stranger, more challenging cocktails. And that is at 259 Ooh. East Erie, Green River. Okay, well, see, spots, uh, besides the Chicago Athletic Association, I knew where that is, but I didn't know they had a rooftop bar. But, uh, see, that kind of stuff is, this is like the hidden jewel that you need to experience over the mm-hmm. summer. Because this, this is yes. the good stuff. Absolutely. We have to, try, we have to check some of these out. Very cool. Okay. Yes. Now I'm going to hit you with five really quick. These are five of the best rooftop brunches in Chicago. So these are actually open rooftops, and you go have a little brunch. And I've never had brunch on a rooftop, so we have we have some things to do, Maya. <laughs> we got to yes, yes, step it up. Yes. We, we need to verify that it is as good as they say it is. But, yes, I agree. Yes. So we'll do some homework. All right, this made the list, and this is from Thrillist.com, so this is from Chicago. And, of course, everybody knows the fabulous rooftop at the Wit. Um, I've never had brunch there, but you have to have cocktails. So rooftop at the Wit, everybody knows, is absolutely awesome. If you haven't been there, you should go check it out. If you missed your chances to party Friday and Saturday and can't get a jet to Ibiza, <laughs> roof has you covered. Sundays, there is an institution of debauchery, they're saying. Expect go-go dancers on top of the tables, along with a fashion show and other assorted entertainment. The bottle service options exceeds one. Um, the food menu, there's some sushi rolls, flatbreads, and shared bites that to be had to keep you moving. So it sounds like a party um, that is brunch done. at the rooftop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but the wit is known, so it doesn't sh- doesn't shock you. Yeah. Normal list. All right. So yeah. What don't we know on the list? Let's go. Right. Nomi. Um, around happy hour on a nice day, Nomi is typical, full of hotel guests and Gold Coast Gold Coast socialites. But stop on the weekend for brunch, and it will feel like you own your private rooftop restaurant. Splurge on the cheese and sh- I don't even know how to say that. Sure, say that. I can't say that. It's a cheese how tray. Yes, charcuterie, charcuterie. It's a cheese splurge on the cheese tray. (laughs) I don't need to go here. I can't even pronounce it, so maybe I should skip. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your illiterate behind at the rooftop at the wit with the go-go dancers. Do not come down here messing up our menu. You go back to the wit. (laughs) I do know how to say Wagyu. B 
beef meatball. I do know how to say that. They have chopped salads that stands out, and it's perfect for hot weather, and it makes a mean gin martini. So that's no. Well, that that's got my attention right there, gin martini, because I'm a fan of martinis, and I happen to like gin ones. So yes, that's worth checking out. Hmm, okay. Okay. We got I.O. Urban Roofscape, which is next. With the restaurant's grand square footage, I.O.'s booths have plenty of leg room to enjoy as you tackle items like lobster benedict, ooh, that sounds good, smoked salmon salad and brioche French toast with maple syrup and carbonized bananas. Mm. There's nothing stopping you from ordering prime beef sliders with bacon jam once you've dropped a few bellinis. Wow. That sounds good. I'm, I'm like, already hungry, so this is not helping me at all. That just all sounded really delicious, right? That there. all sounded very that delicious. Is, yes, smoked the salad. Yes, yeah, yeah. This is all sounding really good. Hmm. Cindy's made the list again. I won't go over there because we already talked about it. But Cindy's is, also has, um, which we just talked about on the list. They have a fabulous a brunch. brunch, so pop over for Cindy's. And this one sounds very, very interesting. The last one, this is in Lincoln Square, Jean's Sausage Shop. I've never heard of it. But don't expect <laughs> Benedict's and waffles from here. <laughs> Instead, think Oktoberfest year-round. This Lincoln Square oh. rooftop beer garden is charming and has some serious encased meat credibility. So if you like <laughs> schnitzels and pierogies, this is your place to go with a little beer. Oktoberfest year-round, Jean's Sausage Shop. So there are some places you can hit for brunch on a rooftop in Chicago. Wow. That's, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I would say Chicago is that city you want to come to during the summertime because yes, it's warm, it absolutely the weather, it's more conducive, but it has an amazing variety of things to do. And if you live in Chicago, you really should start to explore the city. I mean, sometimes people go to the same places all the time. And this mm-hmm. whole can be some amazing just, like, food or just ambiance. And this whole rooftop yes. thing to me has really taken off, like, what, in the last couple of years? I mean, mm-hmm. because when we talked about it last year, and I was like, there's rooftop bars in Chicago because it just seemed like it wasn't something that was really promoted. Well, obviously, it's now the rage, but why not? You're, it's tons of skyscrapers, so why not? Yeah. So I'm definitely going to uh, check some of these out, especially for the brunches. And the thing is, I don't have to be there when it's super busy. You know, sometimes Me like, either. Like, and I'd rather I'd rather go when it's not just teaming with people and we're all smashed together and not comfortable. Right. So I'm 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 fine with checking it out like on a you know a Tuesday or a Wednesday or when it's not nearly as crowded if I can avoid all sure. that extra stuff. So nice. Yeah. Okay. So some brunch stuff. They covered like different neighborhoods. So definitely a little bit of something for everybody. Good pick. Good yeah. pick to get ready for summer since the weather's warm. It's turning around, and it looks like it's here to stay, so it's going to turn around, and this is going to be something you do. And, you know, downtown is the hustle and bustle. I love it in the summertime sometimes because you can go to Millennium Park, and then they have all the fest that comes, and then you can pop in for a brunch or a lunch. It's a little shopping, so much to do, and then you can top it all off with a little party on the roof. Sounds like fun. Well, you know, Chicago, especially one of the things I would say it's really known for is its neighborhood festival. Like throughout the summer, mm-hmm. there's actually a, a calendar that will play you every neighborhood when their festival is. Um, besides yes. the fact there's tons of concerts. This year, summer concert series is crazy in Chicago. There is so many artists coming through Chicago. I'm like, is the apocalypse coming? Because why is everybody coming to Chicago <laughs> in 2016? It kind of got me a little nervous, like the world's not in, right? Because everybody's coming back to Chicago. It's kind of nuts. But um, lots of great concerts festivals. I mean, beyond, take to Chicago, to me, that's like old news. 
Like, people go to the I'm not sure why people still go. Because the thing is, Me. I think the neighborhood festivals have so much more flavor. FYI, people, I hope you remember that the food truck. Food truck. That's going on on yes. Fridays in, in Daly Plaza. That started, what, two, yes. about a week or two ago? So don't forget on your Fridays, like, from, what is it, like, 11 to, like, 3 or 4, the food trucks are out mm. on Daly Plaza, Plaza. So that has started as well. But they're And they switch them, right? Fest. They rotate yeah. them out. So every Friday they're different ones. Yes. Yeah. So remember, it's like you got that. Then you got a bunch of beer and wine fests are coming up. I mean, yeah. it's just it's insane how much stuff. You could go abroad just trying to do stuff in Chicago also. I'm just, that's just how it yeah. is. I, have a, I actually have a calendar. I had to make a calendar of all the things I wanted to do, so I would either overbook or miss it. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's just that much stuff going on. So I have a working calendar of things I don't want to miss. So, yeah, Thrillist, definitely in Chicago. There's two websites that are worth checking out because it really kind of give you some good ins and outs. Of things to check out. So good list, um, yeah. definitely. We yeah, had mark one of these off off of our uh, off our calendars or things to do list for sure. All right, to do list. and I'll post Another some of this to um in. I'll post these to my um page so you guys can check them out. There you go, you can check it out. All right, that's it. Another show is in the books. Glad you guys hung out with us on this Friday. Remember, we're on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to two p.m. Central Standard Time. Never fear though, if you miss any show, you can always go to my home page here on Blog Talk and listen to podcasts. Or you can go to the iTunes Store podcast section and search Maya Kai Presents, or just make it real simple and go to mayakai.com. Nikki, if our listeners would like to connect with you when we're not on air, where can they find you? I am Nikki Brayden on Facebook. I have an attitude with Twitter today, so we're just going to skip that. I am the Nikki Brayden on Instagram, and you can also pop over to my website, NikkiBrayden.com. Um, enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend, and as always, if you get the opportunity, and I'm sure you will, do something nice. That's right, everybody, and go enjoy some March Madness. We'll see you on Monday, same time, same place. Follow Maya on Twitter at The Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this. 